Proverbs 9. If you are a note taker, miracle worker, promise keeper, um, it, nice, some of you that got that. Um, if you are a note taker, uh, I would put the title of this sermon, The Cost and Beauty of Wisdom. The Cost and Beauty of of wisdom. So we're in Proverbs chapter 9 tonight. We're going to go through the first six verses. Um, and first of all, let's give it up for, so we got Paul, DJ Paul and Owen Vincent back there in the booth tonight. Can we give it up for them real quick? Can we give it up for them real quick? They were awesome. And then running slides tonight now is our main man, Mr. Brock Dillard doing his thing. So let's thank Brock real quick. Good for you, buddy. All right, Proverbs chapter 9 verses 1 through 6. I want to read the whole thing, which is six verses, so chill out. The whole thing, and then we will dig in. All right, so here we go. Proverbs 9, 1 through 6. Wisdom has built her house. She has made her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple Let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Let's pray before we start. Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. We pray that it would continue to have an effect on us as we seek to be your people in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. All right. So first of all, in verse one, remember the cost and the beauty of wisdom. Okay. And they should be up here on the screen. Perfect. First of all, wisdom has built her house. Okay. What is happening? Building a house here is representative for living your life. Okay. This is about your whole life and living it wisely. Think about Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So building, the the house you build is the life you live. If you listen to this teaching, you'll be like someone who built their house on a rock. This is about your whole life. Okay, does that make sense? The house you build is your whole life. Wisdom, what is wisdom? What is Proverbs wisdom? Wisdom is not our individual decisions. It is our total identity. Wisdom is not your individual decisions. It is your total identity. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Wisdom is not just making good decisions in a life that doesn't change. You've made some good decisions, but your life really hasn't changed. Wisdom is about living an entire life that glorifies God. Wisdom is not rooms in your house. This is the wise room. This is the room where I get to be a little crazy. No, wisdom is the whole house. It is your whole life. Let me give you an example. Wisdom is not just about you don't wear clothes that are too revealing, okay? Wisdom is not just you don't wear clothes that are too revealing. Wisdom is the whole way you view your body and the bodies of others. Does that make sense? Wisdom is not just 
you don't dress inappropriately. Wisdom is the whole way you view your body and the bodies of others. Let me give you another example. Wisdom isn't just you don't curse. You don't say bad words. Wisdom is the whole way you talk. Plenty of people don't curse, but they still say hateful and hurtful things. Does that make sense? Like plenty of people, oh, they don't curse. There's their wisdom. No, no, no. They're not wise because they still, the way, the whole way they talk is still broken and corrupted. Does that make sense? That's not wisdom. Wisdom is the whole way you talk to people. It is the whole house. It is who we are completely. That is wisdom or foolishness. So wisdom has built her house. Wisdom is the whole way you live. Verse one, it also has, this house has how many pillars, tell me? Set, oh no, hold on, how many pillars, tell me? Seven. Someone tell me, church kids of the world, unite. The number seven in the Bible represents what? What does it mean? Perfection, yeah, what were you gonna say, Joe? Completeness, yeah, completeness, perfection. Here's the other word, though. The word is wholeness, completeness, not being incomplete, the way you live. We like, you and me, we like to live our lives in incomplete ways. We like to live our lives in ways that leave us less than whole. We date people who are bad for us. We stay up way later than our bodies can take. Uh, we watch things or scroll through things that are either corrupting us or they're making us angry all the time. And then we think, oh, why am I so miserable, God? What have you done? There, there's, this, there's this brokenness in us, this incompleteness, this, this frustration that won't seem to go away. But wisdom and its seven pillars, this is showing, this isn't just an option, this, this house isn't just an option for you to live in. This house was built on seven pillars. This is the way that leads to wholeness. Following God's wisdom leads to wholeness. And what's tricky is in your generation and mine, what we have seen is follow your heart and that will lead you to wholeness. Do whatever your heart wants you to do, and that will lead you to wholeness. But what we have to realize is that doesn't actually lead to completeness. And I'll show you. Look at verses 2 and 3. Verses 2 and 3. This is what wisdom has done. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Look at verse two one more time. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. What's going on here? She is preparing a meal. Wisdom is personified here as preparing a meal, preparing a banquet for you to come and enjoy. And she's got the fattened calf has been killed. She's mixed the best wine. Sorry, wine. Sorry, don't worry, we're okay, we're okay, relax, Baptist, we're okay. But so she's, she's got this incredible meal ready. Um, several years ago in my first summer here, Bob and I got to go to Kenya on a mission trip. And we bumped into this guy who Bob knows who works for this big organization called Care for AIDS. And this dude got a little bit of money in his pocket. You know what I'm saying? And so he took us to this restaurant in Nairobi called Carnivore. 
okay? It was called carnivore. It had like a big T-Rex jaw. It wasn't real, but it had like a big, you know what I'm saying? It was called carnivore. So you can guess, you know, we had salad. Oh, no, it was literally, it was crazy. There's nothing wrong with salad. That's awesome. But though, here's the way carnivore worked. And think about the banquet that wisdom has for you. This is how the restaurant carnivore literally works. The way it worked was they would just, as soon as you sat down, there's no menu because they just bring you everything that you possibly want. They would bring, we brought, I'm trying to remember, it was this huge tray of like baked chicken, steak, it's all together, baked chicken, steak, salmon, barbecue chicken, roasted shrimp, all just like pile, like, like the Lord just dumped this bucket onto the tray and just gave it to you. Now here, and here's the thing, they don't stop serving you until you tell them to. They literally just bring you this tray of food and meat uh, until you stop them. It's like a fever dream. It's unbelievable. And that is the picture, that is the picture of the banquet that wisdom is offering in the Bible. All you can eat, and it's good food. Does that make sense? It's good food. This is a good experience. It's not, listen, it's not boring food. It's not out of date food. It's not useless food food. But that is exactly what we think of wisdom in our day. It's boring. It's out of date. It's useless. For example, marriage between a man and a woman is seen as bigoted and oppressive. Trying to help men and women dress in appropriate ways is like, oh, can you hear me all the way back there in the 40s, Ryan? Really? Like, like this criticism comes up. And, it, and it, like, it is a ridiculous insult to someone if you try to help them dress more appropriately. It is. Um, the idea of pushing through something that you don't like, because once you come through the other side, it will actually deepen you as a person, that is seen as ridiculous. As soon as things get difficult, it's affecting your health and your mental health and all these other things. So you need to just back out and not deal with it anymore. All these different things that actually lead to wisdom are seen as bad, but the Bible doesn't see it that way. The Bible looks at wisdom, these different, these marital practices, these these chastity practices, these appropriateness practices, these endurance practices, the Bible sees it like a banquet, like an all-you-can-eat, like, you remember when Truett's used to have the breakfast buffet in the mornings? Like, like whatever, I don't know, whatever works in your world. Like, just a delicious meal. That's what the Bible sees wisdom as. And this is so huge, guys. What a difference it would make in our lives if we believed this. What a difference it would make in our lives if we believed that God's wisdom like the idea that if someone is insulting you at school and you shouldn't go for the last word in the argument, I bet some of us would rather have our teeth pulled out than not get the last word in on an argument. But the, what does the Bible say? Turn the, turn the other what? Turn the other cheek. That sounds, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Are you kidding me? He's gonna, like, you, I'm just gonna let him roll over me like this? But what, and, but what a difference it would make in our lives 
if we actually started to follow through on these things, if we actually started to believe these things, that the Bible says, not only, listen, 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 not only, oh, you have to do this, it's right, but the Bible says, no, no, it's better if you do this. It's better for you, it's better for society, it's better for, for the whole thing, the whole house, if you would lean into what God's word says. It's a banquet waiting for you. And all that we're trying to do is starve ourselves on these other things. We're trying to, C.S. Lewis talks about trying to build sandcastles out of mud when you don't even realize that a holiday at the ocean is waiting. That's God's law that's waiting for us. But will we see it that way? It's a banquet. It's an absolute banquet. Sometimes we can fall into dry, you hear me church kids? Dry, repetitive obedience. And it starts to get stale. And then we get pulled away by something that appeals to our sinful nature because it seems more fun. But what the Bible's trying to remind you is this is not only right, it's actually better. This is better for you. Not just you get your check and you're a want a medal or whatever. Like this, it, this way of living is better for you than this other way that you're being pulled towards. There's a Nobel Prize winning writer. It's not going to be a quiz. His name is Alexander Solzhen. And he grew up in the oppressive, hate-filled, communist, calm down, communist Soviet Union. Okay? He grew up in the Soviet Union. He won the Nobel Prize for Science. This dude knows his stuff, okay? And this is what he says. He was asked in 1983 why the Soviet Union had gotten so bad. Why do you think this has gotten so bad? And this is what he says. He could have obviously said communism, but he doesn't say that. Listen to what he says. Why have things in the Soviet Union, why have things in our society gotten so bad? His answer, the Nobel Prize in Science, this man says, Men have forgotten God. That is why this has happened. His, in his idea, in this dude who grew up in communist Soviet Union, the ultimate problem wasn't political. It was spiritual. The ultimate issue in your life is not a dating problem, is not a, sorry, is not a singleness problem, there you go, is not a school problem, is not a friendship problem, is not a politics problem, is not a Fox News problem, is not, believe it or not, is not a CNN or whatever. The ultimate issue in your life is a spiritual one, is a spiritual issue. The main problem is that we have forgotten God. Look at verse three. Look at verse three. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places of the town. We have forgotten that wisdom is a good thing, that it is a feast that will help us, and that the call to wisdom, the call to wisdom is open to everyone. That's what this means. The call to wisdom is open to everyone. Four through six, and then we'll be done. Four through six, and then we're done. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, Eat of the bread and drink of the wine that I have mixed. Verse 6, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Let's read it one more time. 
Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine I have mixed, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Look at verse six. Leave your simple ways and live. I wrote this in bold. Leave your simple ways and live. Wisdom involves change. Wisdom involves change in your life. There's been a lot of talk in our community, especially about revival lately, especially after Collide. And I love that. I love that we're talking about revival. And it reminds me, just like you do, I'm sure, of 2 Kings chapter 23. Thank you, Anna Rose. Of 2 Kings, I know you're in 2 Kings all the time, guys, sorry. 2 Kings 23 and 24. It's gonna be on the screen. Listen, this is huge. Wisdom, tell me again, who wrote it down? Wisdom involves what? Wisdom involves change. Now listen, in 2 Kings, the country of Judah is not doing so hot, okay? 55 years under a bad king, under a bad leader. You, we get so bent out of shape about presidents there. Oh, eight years. Oh, this king was there for 55 and it did not go well, okay? So after 55 years, things are not going well in Judah. And then now they find in the temple buried the book of the Lord, which is the Old Testament, or maybe the first five books of the Bible, but they find the Bible again, and they start reading from it, and they think, oh man, we're in trouble, okay? Now listen, this is 2 Kings chapter, sorry, 2 Kings 23, verses 23 to 24, verses 23 to 24. So they find the book, they find the Bible, and now what do they do? Tell me again, wisdom involves change. Now watch, moreover, is this right? Okay, good. Moreover, Josiah, listen, Josiah put away the mediums and the necromancers and the household gods and the idols and all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and Jerusalem so that he might establish the words of the law that were written in the book that the priest found in the house of the Lord. So Josiah knows that repentance is necessary, knows that this book is the way to wisdom, and he doesn't just start following it. Listen, he doesn't just start following it. He also gets rid of things that get in the way of him following it. Medium is like a fortune teller. He puts away the mediums and the necromancers and the idols and the false gods. He doesn't just, and this is what we do. This is what we do all the time. I do it too. He doesn't just start following God. He puts away things that stop him from following God. This is the key. This is the way you quit this double life stuff. Because what we do is, we like, we're fine following God. We're okay singing and ugly crying, getting it all out. And then we go right back. We go right back to the way we used to be because we, we want to follow God, but we don't want to get rid of the things that block us from following God. Does that make sense? Are you with me? And this is, this is the key to true revival. Part of revival is not just turning towards God. It is turning away from the things that keep you from him. Part of revival is not just 
turning towards God. Part of wisdom is not just turning towards God, but turning away from the things that keep you from him. Remember verse 6, right? Leave your simple ways and live. It doesn't just say, go to wisdom's house. You have to leave something else behind. And this is the key to wisdom. This is why. This is why you get so frustrated as a church kid because you got, and you're just like me, just like me. It's this, your whole life is trying to figure out this one foot in, one foot out mentality. Can I read my Bible and still watch these things at the same time? Can I, can I pray and still do these things with the person I'm dating at the same time? Can I read my Bible and still do this with my money at the same time? And you're, and you're being torn into two different people. No wonder you're so stressed. I would be too. Being torn into two people sounds like a very stressful environment to be in. Part of wisdom, thank you Maggie, part of wisdom is remove. okay here we go, listen. Part of wisdom is removing things from your life that keep you from being wise. Part of wisdom is removing things from your life that keep you from being wise. And here's the other thing. Or or it says, leave your simple ways and live. Meaning, the simple things in your life are what are dragging you down. Simple, not meaning simple like, um, you know, whatever. Collecting baseball cards is simple. Simple meaning the opposite of wisdom. The sinful things in your life that are dragging you down. But here's what's so cool. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense. Part of becoming wise, okay? Listen, wisdom is not just a head thing. We've talked about this before. It's a heart thing too. To those who are simple, to those who lack sense, part of becoming wise is an attitude. An attitude of humility and submission. If you want to be wise, there is a submission to wisdom that has to take place. I know a lot of kids, a lot of students who have a lot of head knowledge and they're as cocky as all get out. And the problem with that, look right at me, the problem with that is all this Bible knowledge is not making its way where? Down here. It's just staying up here. A lot of people who are obsessed with apologetics love to sit down and argue and and to push people away. And apologetics is great, but it's not, wisdom is not just a head thing. There's a submission, a humility that takes place. This banquet that wisdom is having is for those who are simple-minded and those who lack sense. In other words, this isn't a banquet for cool people. This isn't, it doesn't say those who have wealth come here. Those who have a blue check mark come here. Those who have power come here. There's nothing wrong with having wealth or a blue check mark. This is a banquet for people. Listen, listen. This is a banquet for people who have come to the end of themselves. Who realize that their way of doing life does not work. People who can admit, I was wrong. Look at Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10. Proverbs, you guys know this. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, that church kid classic. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One 
is insight. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So listen, wisdom begins by fearing God, which is another way of saying, what does that mean to fear God? Wisdom begins with the fear of God is another way of saying, wisdom begins by understanding that you are not God. Wisdom begins by understanding that you are not God. Listen, you can't fear God if you think you are him. You cannot fear God if you think you are him. And I know you're like, okay, Ryan, I've never like gone to my pool and like walked on water. I've never like healed a broken arm. Like I've never, I can't send thunder down. I don't know what you want me to, I know I'm not God. No, no, no. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Because when it comes to God's way of doing things and our way of doing things, we nicely, because you're good Southern church kids, but we nicely say, no, no, Lord, I, appreciate, I hear you and I appreciate you, but I, I got this. We want to do life our way because we think we are the gods of our own lives. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This, this means realizing that we are not God. And this is the best news. Listen, this is the best news. This banquet, those who are simple, those who need wisdom, those who are foolish, this banquet is for people who should not be there. That's the good news. This banquet is for people who should not be there, who admit that they do not have it all together. But not only who don't have it all together, who don't really have any of it together, if we're being honest. This banquet that Jesus offers is for those who should not be there. People who know they need help. You know what's really sad about churches a lot of times is sometimes when someone messes up big time in church, they disappear. They never come back. If they reveal something about their orientation, they never come back. If they get pregnant out of wedlock, they never come back. If they get busted on a, on a, if an adult gets busted on a bad business deal, they never come back, which has several reasons, but, but one of them I think is because in church sometimes we give the vibe that the only way you can come to this banquet is if you qualify. Do you follow me? As long as you're buttoned up and, you, and you've got it together, you can come to the banquet, which is the exact opposite of what this text teaches. This text teaches that the only ones who are welcome at the banquet are those who admit that they shouldn't be there. Does that make sense? The only people welcome at this banquet are those who admit they shouldn't be there. So when you hit rock bottom, when you come to the end of yourself, that's your doorway into the banquet. It's this idea of, now listen, this banquet is, just, is not just for people who have messed up. Now, this is crucial because we like to say like, oh, everybody's welcome. Like, oh, you just shot your friend in the face. Jesus still loves you. Come on. No, hold on. This is for, sorry if that was too graphic. This is for, listen, this is not a banquet. Look at, look at verse six. Look at verse six. Leave your simple ways and live. This banquet is not just for simple people. Listen, this banquet is for people who realize that they are simple and want to change. That's who comes in. It's easy, like, and you'll see this as you get older. Big thing in college ministry and stuff right now is like, oh, if you're a mess, raise your hand, and everyone raises their hand. Because it's like cool 
to admit that you're a walking disaster. Like, it's cool to admit that. But what really happens is there's stuff that no one wants to admit to that we don't talk about, that we're not proud of. That's the stuff that we're talking about here. This is a banquet for those who realize they are simple and want to change. Who realize they are simple and want to change. Leave your simple ways and live. People who realize that their simple ways, listen, can you put six up there, Brock Star? Leave your simple ways. What's that next word? Leave your simple ways and leave your simple ways and live, which means that you realize that your simple ways are killing you. That your simple ways are killing you, that they are hurting you, that they are making things worse. Listen, A.W. Tozer says, God cannot bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. God cannot bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Now listen, not that God is out to get you, like he's ready to hurt you, but sometimes, listen, sometimes, and this is, here you go, you're not gonna pay attention, and then it's gonna happen, and like a year from now, you're gonna be like, oh, Ryan, I'm gonna be like, well, if you had listened, okay. So look, God cannot bless a man greatly until he has hurt a man deeply. God allows deep storms in our lives because he is deepening our character at the same time. That's what Tozer's talking about. God allows deep storms in our lives because he is deepening our character at the same time. That's the cost of wisdom. Do you see that? He cannot bless you deeply until, how does a heart surgeon do surgery? He's gotta cut you open. And so often, that's what God will do in your life. He will allow something to happen that you're like, God, are you kidding me? And what's he doing? He's cutting you open. He's exposing your heart so that he can do surgery, so that he can dig into you and give you wisdom. Think about Jonah, okay? And this is one of those where, again, with Jonah, we're like, like, what's the big thing that happens to Jonah? Someone tell me, what happens to Jonah? Okay, let's pause for a minute. Jonah is, Jonah is literally, <laughs> he is literally eaten by a fish in the ocean. And we're just like, and we're like, literally when we're reading Jonah, we're like, eaten by a fish. It does, it does. And we just like, and we just like keep going. But listen, listen, listen. Jonah is eaten, like I'm, some of y'all probably had a bad week, and I get that. But none of us, like, the dude was eaten by a fish, okay? This is like rock bottom. Can we admit, like, this is pretty tough. Now, but listen, but listen. But the prayer that Jonah prays afterward in Jonah chapter 2, listen, in Jonah chapter 2 is one of the most beautiful prayers in the entire Bible. Listen, we want Jonah's prayer, but we don't want Jonah's pain. We want to pray like Jonah but we don't want to go through anything that he went through. But how do you think he got that prayer? Well, I heard a guy say one time, we always want Paul's theology, but we don't want Paul's pain. But how do you think he got the theology? This is the cost of wisdom. We want wisdom, but listen, wisdom is not figuring out all the life hacks for you. It's a deep painful, wonderful work of God as he changes who you are. 
as he changes who you are, and it takes a long, you can't microwave it, it takes time. Wisdom is a lifelong journey of the Lord working in our lives. Last thing, look at verses three and verses 14, and it'll be on the board here. Verse three and verse 14. The first one is wisdom. The second one is foolishness. So you may even want to draw a line to these. Look, first one, she, this is wisdom, she has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. So wisdom calls out from the highest places in the town. Verse 14, she sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town. Verse 14, so wisdom builds her house in the highest places of the town. Foolishness builds her house on the highest places of the town. Why do they build their houses on the highest points of the city? In the ancient world, the high points of the city weren't where you built houses. They were where you built temples. Why would wisdom and foolishness build their houses where you would build temples? Because wisdom and foolishness are matters of worship. Whether or not you are wise is not about what grade you finish with in high school or college or whatever. Wis- those things are good. Wisdom Your decision, my decision to live a life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control is ultimately a decision of worship. Wisdom is rooted in worship. Here's what happens so often. When I preach about something and students or adults or college leaders get mad at me for something, 99 times out of 100, maybe even 100 times out of 100, It's not because they disagree with something I've said. It's because I'm coming after their idol. It's not because they disagree with something that I said. It's because I'm coming after their idol. Because the Bible is coming after the thing that you really worship and you don't want any part of that. It's not because, oh, well, here's the flaw in your argument. It's because the point that is being made is pushing in on your idol and you don't want that. Wisdom and foolishness at its root is not from a lack of knowledge, it's a lack of worship. Which is why worship is huge. Which is why trusting God is key. Listen to slash look at, it's on the board, 1 Corinthians, do you have like no hands? 1 Corinthians 1.30. It's like a rock concert back there. All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians 1.30, look. And because of him, You are in Christ Jesus who has become to us, what's that word? Okay, three of you are looking, which is great for your future. Okay, your your call. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us what? Wisdom. Where can wisdom be found? In Jesus Christ. Seeing Jesus' sacrifice for you is how you begin to let your heart become wise. Seeing Jesus pay for your sins and bowing your life to his is how you become wise. I am so thankful for what's happening in our community right now, and my prayer is that you and I would live lives of wisdom, not just hopping from one big worship experience to the next, although that's good, but that what, like what happens on your Tuesday, what happens on your Thursday and on your Friday and on your Saturday, that we would trust the Lord and help each other live lives of wisdom together.